Yo, what's up? What's going on, BTM Tribe? Darrell Lalia here, and um, welcome to this bonus episode of the Before the Men's Podcast. This is episode 97, and I am coming to you from Jamaica right now, uh, just with the premise that, hey, I'm having an amazing time, and I have you guys at the top of mind, and I've been doing a ton of podcast episodes, or at least I've been doing a ton of guesting on other people's podcasts for the past few months. So with that being said, most of the time when I'm on another podcast, I will post that on social media. Right. So if you're following me on social media, you will know as soon as I get on another podcast or as soon as I'm guesting somewhere and you want to hear like a particular aspect of my story and things of that nature. Um, And I do these so much now that it's not practical for me to kind of go back and repurpose that content for you guys. Again, because you guys are my community. You know my story. You've heard my story plenty of times. But every once in a while, there's a little bit of a different angle that a podcast hosts would like to go in. And when I get that different angle, when I know that I'm presenting new content or different content, I love to share that with you guys. So over the past few months, I've kind of looked through the podcast that I've been interviewed on. And again, all you have to do is search my name on any of the podcast directories, and you'll see a few of the podcasts that I've been on. And I highly suggest that you go listen to those. Um, But I picked one for today's episode. And this episode, I'm being interviewed by the Good Success team. I'm being interviewed by my good buddy, Josh Culler. And you're going to hear a little bit more about my story. A few things are going to be new to you. And a few things you're going to be like, I already know this about you, Dre. Well, I'm playing this for you guys. And it's a bonus episode this week because I think it's going to be super inspirational for a lot of you who are in a professional setting and you're looking to leave your job. And you're scared and you're worried and you're trying to figure out your plan. Um, This is going to be a a great bonus episode for you guys. So I can't wait for you guys to hear my interview on the Good Success Podcast. And that's coming up right now. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So no tip of the week, no intro. We're going to just jump right into the show. But guys, before we do that, I remember on our most recent episode, episode 96, and this is titled Lifestyle Notary Masterclass. I actually went over a brand and you guys know we talk about new strategies every single episode practically, but I went over a brand new strategy that a lot of you have not heard of yet. And this is a strategy that you can pursue after work, during work, on the weekends, whenever you want. And you can start making $100, $200, $300 per appointment. And while you're pursuing this strategy, while you're doing this strategy, you will learn a little bit more about real estate investing. Um, So if you want to listen to that episode, it's episode 96. And if you've already listened to that episode and you haven't yet gotten your notary, you haven't yet learned how to become a loan signing agent just to have that even as an investor. I think about the fact that even if you don't put the certification to use to make extra money on the side or to completely, you know, replace what it is that you're doing now or to actually have income because you've been jobless for the past three months as an investor. You're going to find that getting this certification is going to be very useful, not only to you, but to others in your vicinity, other investors, other people in your circle. Because as a notary, you play a key role in almost any and every important transaction, right? So if nothing else, listen to this episode and get your certification. It's so easy to get the certification. Get your certification and just have it, right? But again... This is something that could produce for you a full-time income. At the end of episode 96, I actually interviewed somebody who actually quit their job in a few months after starting their notary public business. She built up her business to $4,000 a month from March to August, part-time. And in August, when she got to $4,000 a month, she quit her full-time job. 
So if she ever wanted to become a real estate investor, she's in a prime position to do so. She's in good with lenders. She's in good with agents. She's in good with investors. It's amazing. So again, go back to episode 96. And if you've already listened to the episode and you haven't yet went through a course or you haven't yet became a notary public and learned about loan signings, head over to lifestylenotary.com. That's L-I-F-E-S-T-Y-L-E-N-O-T-A-R-Y.com. And your pockets will thank me for it. Now let's get to the meat and potatoes of today's show and listen to my interview on the Good Success Podcast. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the cash flow ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place mr hollywood himself presents the before the millions podcast and now your host deray olalaye Welcome back to the Good Success Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Culler. And man, do I have an awesome guest on the show today, DeRay Olalaye. Did I say it right? You got it, you got it. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Great stuff. So um, DeRay has actually got a very interesting uh, personal brand that we're going to talk about a little bit, but um, I actually got looped in with him. You guys heard Zach Beach on a previous episode who is out of Rhode Island with a smart real estate coach. And we also had his father-in-law, Chris Prefontaine on the show, which, um, so I'll just say it real quick. So DeRay has his own podcast, which I've had the privilege of being on called Before the Millions Podcast. And man, this thing is awesome. Like I got interviewed by him and it was great, but he's had so many friends, so many friends of ours. And I'm just, I'll list a couple of them. Well, number one is Chris Voss, the the author of, um, man, what's his book now? I can't even think of it. Uh, um, never split the difference. Never split the difference. <laughs> I, I blanked the right way. I was trying to yeah. get ahead of myself, but um, he's had Chris Voss on the show. You guys know Larry Goins, Zach Beach, Chris Prefontaine, uh, Mark Dolfini. He's, he's been on our show, Marco Santarelli. I mean, these are all guys that are friends of ours. So it's just funny. I mean, we, we talked about it on yours is that, you know, everybody's connected in some way, shape or form. So um, but anyway, it's great to have DeRay on the show. And like I said, he's got the Before the Millions podcast, and it is awesome concept. I love the concept of Before the Millions, um, but make sure you go check that out. If you guys want to in, 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 in with it, then just listen to the one that I'm on, shameless plug there. Um, but uh, there, there's plenty of other awesome interviews on there, so you guys make sure you check that out. And that's at BeforeTheMillions.com is where you can listen to that. And I believe you're on all the platforms. I listen to it on Spotify, so um, I'm sure oh, there's nice. Apple Podcasts and whatnot, so that's awesome awesome. Um, yeah. And then he's got a couple of other things that he's working on. So I know he mentioned a mastermind that he's going to be working 
on pretty soon. He's got a workshop and he's a coach and a mentor and that kind of thing. So I will come back around to him and have him uh, talk about that a little bit. And like I said, he's actually out of the Dallas Houston area. And so you guys, we have plenty of friends that are out in that, that neighborhood. So um, this is going to be a great interview. I'm excited about this. So Deray, thanks for me on the show and we'll come right back around to you. But before we get into it, if you haven't already, make sure you have subscribed to our podcast. We're on all podcast platforms. Just go search good success and you'll find us there. And then uh, our masterminds. So I've actually been talking about masterminds with Deray here and over on his show, we talked a lot about masterminds and the power of masterminds. So make sure you check that out. So without further ado, Deray, I've been on your podcast. And so my mouth is kind of like, I need some water right now. So I'm going to hand the mic to you. And so I can take a sip out of this mug, which is good success <laughs> mug, right? Shameless plug again. Um, but introduce yourself. So who you are, what you do, and a little bit of background about yourself. Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, you mentioned a personal brand earlier, and I don't know if you caught me um, while you were kind of uh, talking about some of the things you guys have coming up, but I'm over here getting a cameo of you in our, our interview because um, my new focus, my new vision for, for 2019 is really becoming a personal brand. You know, in 2018, I took the leap into building and growing uh, what I consider to be a big business um, for my standards, right, and where I am now. But I had a lot of had a lot of things that happened along the way that kind of had me step back and realize that, man, in, in this new day and age that we are in, in 2019, the way, the power of the internet, the power of a personal brand, and really just putting your best foot forward on social media, um, which I, I used to, Josh, I used to hate social media. I used to, I used to, <laughs> like I tried to delete everything. And then when I, right. when I became an entrepreneur, it was like, oh, you, you, ha- you have I to I need this around. back. Yeah. 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 So, so, but when I realized the, the, the power that's behind it, man, it, it's truly spectacular. So I was stepping a few photos of you because I want to post them on social media. And uh, that's my big push for, for 2019. But how did, how did all of this start? Like, what's my story? How did this begin? And yeah, give us the, the before the million story. There you go. That's what you call <laughs> on your show. Give us yeah, that story. Exactly. So, man, I, I, I can even take it back to when I was a kid, but I've always been in the world of real estate randomly. I mean, it's been super, and I, I wouldn't even call it random. I'm saying random just because you're, because, because of who your audience may be. But for me, I, I believe it was ordained, you know, and you, you've talked about your faith a little bit earlier, and I think we share in the same faith. I believe it was ordained. Um, as a kid, my favorite game was Monopoly. Second favorite game was chess, but my favorite game was Monopoly. And I would lose to my, my older cousin, I would say. She wasn't really a cousin, but a family friend. I would lose to her because we would play like every single week. And I was obsessed with this game when I first heard of it. And I would lose to her constantly. And one day I was just like, okay, like I'm in love with this game, but I, I'm not any good. How, let me figure something out. And there wasn't Google back then. Like, I, man, I feel so, I'm right. not even old. We're not old. You couldn't so. Google it. What in the world? <laughs> what happens? <laughs> like, like, I, like, I'm, I'm 28, by the way, guys. And I'm just like, man, I feel old. But there wasn't Google back then. I couldn't, like, knowing me, like, how I first learned to solve a Rubik's Cube in under a minute was because I Googled it. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that, that I was around back then, right? But it, I was just like, there, there has to be a way to beat the system. Like, there are certain things. And, of course, it's a game of chance, right? But there, there are certain things that always hold true. And I realized that the more board spaces that you owned and the higher you were able to charge in rents, uh, the more successful you were as an investor. And I took those same principles and I applied that to my investing journey today, but I didn't become an investor straight out the gate. I went through the typical route. You know, um, I have a, a foreign parent, which we, we share, share that as well. And um, I have a, a, it's raised by a single mom and um, she 
always wanted me to go the typical route. Although she was an entrepreneur, she was a budding entrepreneur. She's still an entrepreneur to this day. She's killing it, by the way. Um, but she always wanted me to go the typical route. Typical route. I was do foreign parents too because of safety. Um, they want to make sure that you're, you're becoming a well, upstanding citizen. So I went the typical route. Uh, went to college, majored in, in accounting, and um, the the common notion was that a lot of people. Or let me just say myself, let me talk about myself. I realized that I was going to be successful, whatever I deemed as success, whatever. I mean, that doesn't even have to be monetarily. That's just my perfect lifestyle, right? I realized that very early on, I was going to be successful and there was nothing anybody could do about it. And I started going down this path to where I operated and I acted and I knew and everybody around me could feel that I was going to be successful. Like I had people telling me like in high school, like, I don't know what it is, but I just know that no matter what, like you're going to make it. So I operated with this belief system going into college and I saw all my friends knew their majors. My little sister, seven years younger than me, she knew exactly what she wanted to do. She's always known what she wanted to do. So many people around me always already had this plan. All my life, I never had a passion. I never had a dream. I never, I never, I never just, I never had that. This is what I'm good at. This is what I'm going for. I mean, the closest thing to that was maybe basketball in high school. And I still wasn't even passionate about that. Like there were so many places I could have gone with basketball, but I, I could tell that the drive wasn't there. It wasn't something that I was willing to just risk it all on. And I, I didn't have that feeling. And I started looking for that feeling, but I never really found it. So when I went back to my thoughts of being successful back in high school and I was in college and I was just like, well, I don't really see a good path to success. I started thinking about society and how to be successful in society's eyes. So I started asking, well, I mean, what do I do? What's next? What, what's, what's possible? So they said, this is what you do, Dore. You go out and you get a, a, a nice paying job. Matter of fact, you're, 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 th- you're thinking about doing accounting? Go work for the best accounting firm in, in, in the world. You go work for the best accounting firm in the world and you will be set for life. Hmm. I was like, okay, let me, let me go do that. Makes right? sense. So I literally start building up my resume. I start participating in all these extracurricular programs and activities. And I, I took this organization from school that, that was like 500 members to like, we grew, grew it to like over like 5,000 members by the time like I went from like being like the assistant to like the president. And then I, I was a part of everything, right? So I, I, I followed the rules. I did what they told me to do, do. I volunteered. And they said that the reward at the end of that was that I would have this safe, secure job. I was like, yes. They said that in 10 years, I would be able to, uh, to buy into the company. Or in 15 years, in 18 years, I'd be able to buy into the company. And when I bought into the company, I start making around half a million dollars a year. I was like, well, I don't know a whole lot of people making that type of money. So that sounds amazing. Sign me up. Yes, let's go. Let's go do this. And I started working at this firm. Started working at one of the best accounting firms in the world. And I thought like I was on my high horse. Like I was like, everything, you know? And I realized through my working, like through working 40 hours a week and then 50 hours a week and then 60 hours a week and then traveling from Houston to Dallas to Arizona to San Francisco on the drop of a dime and not controlling my schedule, not controlling my, my, my time, you know, being here and there and, and, and answering to, to superiors who didn't really know what they were doing and missing birthdays and missing weddings and not really understanding what I was building. Like I knew that the work that I did was fulfilling in the sense that it was providing the clients that we had a result. But I mean, that had nothing to do with me. So I spent from January to June paying taxes, paying the government because we pay 40% in taxes, 50% in taxes. And this is like taxes across the board. 
And I'm just like, so you mean to tell me I have a full-time job, I'm living the quote-unquote life where half my money is going to the government before I even see my check? And then I just graduated, graduated from college, as, as most people do. And the, the rest of that money was going to the bank in the forms of a mortgage or rent, in my case, a car note, student loans, credit card statements. I mean, all that goes to the bank. Josh, wh- wh- where does DeRay fit in this picture, right? Yeah. So, so you mean to tell me all my money throughout the year is going to these other people, right? Okay, well, that's not that bad. At least I'm building something for myself. Then I realized, wait, I'm not building something for myself. I'm building up another company. So there's no money going to me and there's nothing actually that I, there's no equity that I'm building in anything. But this is the life. Josh, I was disturbed. I was, I was, I was, I was battered. I was bruised. I was disturbed. And I was just like, I can't do this. I would start, I would start, start looking at all these income streams, looking at all these methods, looking at all these business models. And I was just like something. Ha- and the reason I even started all of that was because of this one book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but it started me down this path in, in 2016. And I mean, in, in, in real estate years, like you're, you're like, you're like a senior citizen. Like you've been in real estate for like five years, man. You're, you're, you're old, right? Even though you're young, yeah, you're way, yeah. I mean, you're three years younger than me, but, but you're old in real estate years. Like I want people to know that, Hey, there's people like me. I've, I've, I've not been in real estate in, in th- for three years yet. You know, it's people like me who's who's been able to get what some people may deem as successful earlier on in real estate who and, and, and I haven't and I'm not the smartest person in the world. I don't have the best resources in the world, but I was able to do this and I was able to do this a because I had a burning desire to get out of my situation and b because I want to go find help. So I'll stop right there. Interesting. Yeah. So, so then get us a little bit deeper into the real estate side of it. So you're, so you're, you talked about, you know, the background and where you got into it. So kind of what you've seen today, what you're doing in your business with real estate investing specifically. So uh, let's talk about that. Yeah, for sure. So I originally started out in real estate with a method called house hacking. Are you you're familiar with house hacking? Of course. Hmm. No, no house so. hacking. Maybe not. Okay, cool. Maybe if you explain it, it's a different phrase for me, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it may it may be. So what I what I did is my very first property was a single family home. And my intention was to eventually uh my my intention was to live in the property for a certain amount of time and then eventually rent it out. Right. Um circumstances changed and I had to move and I went to Dallas. And I was, um, I was like, okay, well, I need another property because I, I bought the, the single family home in one city. I need another property to actually live in, but I'm trying to build this real estate portfolio and start this career. And I don't really want to pay $1,500 in rent like I was just doing back in Houston. Like, yeah. what, what, can I, what can I do? So first-time homebuyers are privy to certain incentives to buy homes. Um, of course, because the government the banks, whatever the greater power that you think is behind everything, you know, they're trying to get your money, right? Whatever the case may be, but they're privy to certain incentives. And one of those incentives is, you know, um, you're able to put down a much lower down payment on your initial home, on your initial investment property. Well, first off, let me not confuse you. If you buy, if you buy a home in the United States today, you're at, like, you would normally put down 20% for your down payment. Like, so if you buy a $100,000 property, you would put down 20% as a down payment. It would be a little bit more than that because closing costs and other, and other fees, right? But your down payment would be 20%, which would be $20,000. Now, if you 
are aware of some of these incentives and you ask your lender or you ask people around like, hey, what are some things that I'm afforded with? And different people are afforded with different things. So if like you, you've been an active member of the military, you may get what's called a VA loan. If, you, um, if you're just a regular citizen, you may get what's called um, an FHA or a conventional loan. There are loans for you living in a rural area. Um, there's so many different incentives for different little quirks that you may qualify for that you may not even know, right? But the overall premise of this for me, was that I was able to buy an investment property that cost a whole lot of money, and I'm, you know, fresh. I'm, I'm, I'm in the workforce. I'm not making a whole lot of money, and I'm not saving a whole lot of money. But I'm able to buy an investment property that costs a whole lot of money for a little bit of money. And what this investment property allowed me to do was, I had four units. So picture four two-bedroom and one-bedroom homes, um, separate. But you put them all together into what I mean, you know this, but I'm just explaining this to your audience. You put them all together and, and it's literally like, like, a, like a small apartment of, of four different four different separate residences, but they're all together. And that's what I had. It's called a fourplex. So my what I did is I lived in one unit and I lived in one of the one bedroom units. There's two one bedroom and two two bedroom units. And you lived in one of the one bedroom units where the, where the going rent for that unit was nine hundred dollars. Whereas the two bedroom units, the going rent in those units were thirteen fifty. Right. So I lived in one of the one bedroom units and the collective rent collect from the other three units, paid my mortgage, oh, yeah. paid all my bills. Not only that, but there was excess on top of that, that put four to $500 in my pocket every single month. So you just imagine this, this young kid, or well, I mean, to, I, you can't say young around you. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. Not qualified. You just imagine this, this young 25-year-old who has no idea what he's doing, no experience, just bought his first investment property as a single family home. And now he's buying this, this massive fourplex and he has really honestly no savings, no funds. He's winging it. He's figuring it out because mm-hmm. he took that first step. And I went from paying $1,300, dollars in rent to now buying a property, no longer throwing money away. And now people are paying me so that I can live in my property. Mm-hmm. Just crazy, right? Awesome. And anybody can do this. Anybody, everybody can do this. Yeah. You know, I bought this, this, this property because I lived in one of the units. Just because I lived in one of the units, I was able to buy that property for less than 5% down. Okay. Now there are certain ways in which you have to be careful and you have to make sure you're not over leveraged and things of that nature. And so you want to base, you want to definitely consult with a professional or or a coach or an agent who's done this before. But if you do this right as a young professional, I mean, your world opens up, not only because you're, you're starting your investment journey and your snowball, but now you've created what I like to coin location independence. Because when I live in an apartment that I rent for 1500, if I go to Jamaica, which I'm going to Jamaica next month, if I go to Jamaica, my hotel costs $200 a night right. or $300 a night. So I have to pay my rent next month, yep. but I also have to pay for where I'm living. So most people, they're not able to travel for long periods of time because the expenses are just too great. When you house hack, you have other people paying your mortgage and your rent for you. You don't have that living expense. <laughs> you can now be location independent. So what I started doing is even that unit that I was living in, I even started, here's a, here's a twist on it. I use that unit as an Airbnb unit. So now I'm not getting $500 a month extra from the other three tenants. Now I'm getting more like $1,000 a month, $1,200 a month because of that unit now being utilized because I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. Hope this is some good stuff. I don't know if, no, if we're absolutely. going in the right direction. No, it's um, good. I, I love it. And I'm actually going to be in Jamaica in June. So <laughs> it's a small world. So that is awesome. Yeah, it's my first time. But I, yeah. So, so what I want to, what I really want to highlight is that. 
I didn't, I didn't wait till I knew everything to get started, which is most, what most people want to do. Like they want to wait till all the lights are green. Yeah. I didn't know anything. I mean, most people would tell, and they were telling me, you're crazy. Why are you, why, why are you buying this asset? Like you don't know what you're doing. Even, even like the, I was working with a realtor who was, who is an experienced real estate investor who has t- a boatload of cash. And I looked at him as a mentor and he knew exactly what I was doing. And he knew my background. He knew my upbringing. He knew how serious I was. And as my mentor, this guy was shooting me down because he thought my dreams and my goals and my visions were, were just, I mean, he was just like, you don't like, this is impossible. Like, why are you thinking this big? You know? And I was just like, if I, if I, if I, you know, adhere to like his advice and his wisdom, because he was somebody in my vicinity, I wouldn't have continued down this journey. You know, but I had that burning desire and I decided to get started. So if there's any message I want to give to your audience, your listeners, if they're looking to get started in real estate, I don't care if you mess up on your first deal. And some people may be like, no, no, no. You can fall flat on your face on your first deal. But that experience is priceless. Yeah. What you've learned to acquire that deal, that, that, that knowledge, you can use that knowledge to rinse and repeat and improve on what you did that wasn't good the first time and build your portfolio. But you started, so you're going to continue doing that. Most people, Absolutely. they don't get started because that failure right there, they're like, I'm, uh, 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 no, yeah. I don't want to fail. I'm not doing that. See, that's what I'm what, what are you? Why are you scared? Of, I mean, that's life. That's an experience. You don't want these experiences, mm-hmm. you know? All right. No, I love that. That's all awesome stuff. And um, that's kind of, I, I mean, I understand the whole concept of house hacking, but that's the first time I've heard it said that way. So that's, I'm sure other people have heard it in everywhere, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. I love that. So that was kind of your, uh, your gateway into the real estate investing world. So that's awesome. So, so that's, um, yeah, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so that's uh, just kind of continuing with that question. If you want me to, I don't know if you yeah, want to sure. switch. No, go ahead. So, so, so that's how I got started. And then I was just like, okay, like this real estate thing is cool. And this is like what I'm going to build my laurels on, but I have to make active income to be able to pour into these passive investments. Because after your first, second or third deal, most investors who start out the way I start out, because we're not starting out wholesaling and things like that, you run out of money. If you're putting down 20% on deals, if you're going through regular finance, you you will run out of money if you you don't come from money, right? So I was just like, um, I need to go ahead and start some businesses, some online businesses, and I'm going to create some revenue so that I can have more investments and I can quit my job. So I bought my first invest investment property, which was a single family home, a three bedroom, two bath. And that summer I created business after business after business. I created a job shipping business. I created a, a Kindle publishing business. I created a lead generation business. I just, I created a digital photography business. I kept going and going and going. And then by the end of the year, Josh, I, I was, I was, I was burnt out. Yeah. I was burnt out. And I realized that the reason I started creating all those businesses wasn't because I wanted to pour the money from those businesses into investments, which was what I told myself was the reason, which was actually the reason. But the real underlying reason I started each of those businesses was because I was scared of failure. I was also scared of success. The reason I say I was scared of failure is I would start another business with the premise that, hey, if that last business I just started doesn't work, well, at least I have this business and I know that this is going to work or this is going to take off. Or like I have six businesses. I just need one of them to hit. And I don't know if you've ever been in that position. Right. Yeah, I, just, I just need one of them absolutely. to hit. Like, if this one hits, then, then my li- I, I can take care of everything. My life will be yep. amazing. Right? 
And I found myself in that conundrum so many times to where I was spending tons of money on Facebook ads. And I was, I was like pouring money into all these businesses to, to where December 2016, I was just like, there's no more. I can't do this anymore. Like th- th- something has to give. And that was when I decided to get my first mentor. And I don't know if I said it on, on, on before we started recording or if I said it on my podcast, but I didn't believe in mentors. I didn't believe in coaching. I thought it was a scam. I thought people were just taking your money. I said, I can learn all this by myself through YouTube and through books. Yeah. <laughs> I was so wrong. I hired my first mentor. One of the first things I did was literally get laser focused, laser focused on what it is that I wanted, what I wanted to achieve, where I was trying to go and what it, I needed to get there. And Honestly, till this day, that has been a work in pro- pro- process. Like it's like redefining, redefining what laser focus means. Because as an entrepreneur, we have shiny object syndrome. It's something that we're, it's na- it's innate. Like everything looks so good, oh, yeah. everything looks so appealing, and you kind of have to pick and choose. So I needed to get laser focused. Um, one of one of my very first fourier's into just what I actually wanted to do at the time. So in in the finance world, in the accounting world. I was a big four accounting. So I was auditing the financial statements of some of the biggest real estate companies in the world. So like Heinz and Spirit Realty and all these big real estate companies, I was auditing the financial statements. And back then I hadn't read Rich Dad Poor Dad, had no idea that I wanted to get in real estate. Um, all I knew was that I played Monopoly. I interned with a real estate company. That was pretty cool. I didn't really know why I did that. I was just like, hey, free money. Okay, cool. Right. Yeah. But all these things in real estate are leading me up to leaving an investor. I had no idea. But I was auditing the financial statements of some of the largest real estate companies in the world only because before I started working, I heard that, that, that the people on that team for that company, they travel a whole lot. And I wanted to travel because I love yeah. traveling. So I was like, I want to be on that team. Yeah. Not because it was a real estate team, but because I could travel. Right. Again, all these alignments that brought me into the real estate world. So I was looking at these financial statements. I'm like, this is crazy, but I never put two and two together. Like, I can do stuff like this. When I finally did pick up Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I started implementing some of the strategies that he taught. And he was like, don't, I mean, if you're going to work, don't have a job that provides money for, I mean, your sole purpose for working there is to get paid. Like I'm going to, I'm like, so my, my mindset was like, okay, if I'm going to continue working while I'm building up my real estate portfolio, my passive assets, I need to do something that's going to be well worth it. That's actually going to help me in the pursuit that I'm after. Right. So not saying that what I was doing wasn't helping me in my pursuit, but I needed to be more well-rounded. So I had learned the accounting side of real estate, but, and that was like, that's, that's more so looking in arrears, looking, looking behind in the past, what has happened. Right. And I needed to learn the finance side of real estate. So I went to go work for an investment. I went to go work for a private equity uh, hedge fund based out of New York, or I went to go, go consult for them. So I got to learn the finance side and I got to learn how to make projections and all this. And I was just like, okay, I am actually using, I don't want, I mean, it's a bad term. I'm using them for knowledge. Like they're paying me rather than me going to school and dropping 20, 30, 40, 50 K for the knowledge. I'm going to go to this job and they're going to pay me to get that knowledge. Right. So I was working the system in, in that sense, but I was able to acquire that knowledge and I was able to look at some of these, these bil- literally billion dollar funds. Like I was consulting for a $26 billion hedge fund. So they had billion dollar funds that I was solely responsible for creating and printing out the investor reports. Like I, my, my, my commercial, my commercial wizardry was like at an all time high. Right. <laughs> um, so I was just like, well, since I have a little bit more experience than most people who start out as real estate investors, let me put my best foot forward and let me jump into the commercial game. So I got my first mentor. I got super focused and I decided that I wanted to go after commercial deals. I wanted to be a, um, a multifamily owner. 
And one of the first, one of the best ways to become a sponsor or a multifamily um, or, 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 or um, a lead, a lead partner in a multifamily deal is to either invest passively in that deal or be a, be just be a general partner who, who's raising money for that deal. So when I found my first mentor, I was like, hey, let me attach myself to his hip. Let me learn from his knowledge and his experiences and let me actually go start working on his deals so that I would garner the knowledge and the experience and the know-how so that when I went out there, a hundred unit building, people would trust me, people would, 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 would want to work with me, so on and so forth. So the first deal that we got under contract, and I mean, he has like almost, I think he's at like a half a billion dollars in assets under management right now. But at the time he was like at 200,000. Um, 200 million, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was at $200 million in assets. But the first deal that we got under uh, contract when I finally became like um, his, his mentee was a um, 302 unit apartment complex in a suburb of Dallas. And it was going for wow. $42 million. Wow. And I was just like, okay, now I'm at the big boys table. Right. <laughs> Time to put on my pants, right? Like I, I felt like uh, it, I was making progressions, but now this is like a big leap. And if I can do this, like the world is my oyster. So I started raising money for this deal and I told him, I was like, Hey, his name is Joe. I was like, Hey Joe, um, I think I could raise about a million dollars for this deal. And him having the track record that he had and him doing this for a while, he was like, Dre, slow down. <laughs> You're not going to be able to raise a million dollars for this deal. Let's start you at, at, at half a million see if you can raise that. And then we can bump you up. I said, whatever, I'm going to raise a million dollars for this. Deal. I'm going to show right. you. Um, no experience, no idea what I was doing. Started studying, started reading started just acquiring all this knowledge to learn how to raise money i've never been a capital raiser i've never thought of myself as a salesman i was just like hey let's figure this out because as you can see as a common theme throughout my life i just jump in and then i figure it out as i go right. um this was the first time that i did that and i fell flat on my face uh. <laughs> so <laughs> and what's crazy is while i was working for the investment firm they found out about this deal right so this investment firm who invests in real estate, who invests in large apartment buildings, who invests in commercial buildings, like that's, that's, their, that's their bread and butter. I was consulting for them. Wow. So the company that I was with when we were consulting for them, they found out, they were like, hey, like, do you know like our client, the one that you work on, the one that you provide all these reports for, like you're buying an asset that they would possibly, like it's something that's in their wheelhouse. So their argument was that, you know, what's going on? Um, we heard that you're raising money or you're raising money from people here at work, you know, that's not allowed. And I was just like, there was this big whole big ordeal. Long story short, what to take away from the ordeal is that I was in a position to where I had a decision to make. Did I want to be fired on the spot from a job in which I was the sole person at my position? I was intricate to the processes that were being carried out, you know, so I knew like the position I held or do I want to let them know what's going on. Let them know that I'm that this asset is a class B asset. This asset is, a, is in this certain submarket. This asset has this certain price range, and it has is completely different from what this company is going. Like I could have, I could have gotten my way out of this situation. Is what I'm saying. Right. But I wasn't the normal employee. I had a plan. I had a two year plan to escape the rat race. This was a year and a half in, and I was just like, Do I keep? Do I argue my way to keep my job for the next six months? do I take a leap of faith and do what it is I know that I'm supposed to be doing? So I had started my podcast before the millions at this time. I had just started the idea of coaching and consulting. So I was building up my very first course. So I'm building up this course and I'm starting to raise money. 
So if I'm raising half a million dollars or a million dollars, it's a good chunk of money that I'd get on the front end, you know, and also this course that I'm coming out with. So I'm just like, you know, I'm walking into this meeting like, hey, um, I mean, I can leave today. I don't really care. I have all this, you know, all this, all this going for me. So what, what do you guys want to do? <laughs> yeah. Basically. Um, and it was that attitude that I maintained throughout the meeting. So they were like, hey, we just want you to explain everything. Like they weren't even really just looking to fire me. They were just wanted, wanted to understand me. But I came in with the mindset and attitude that I didn't need them. Like I had learned everything that I wanted to learn. I was there for a reason. I wasn't there to get paid. I was there for a reason. Now, although my timeline of two years was going to be cut short if I did leave that job that day in 18 months, I was going to figure it out. Hmm. So I just said, hey, guys, you know, I know you guys are expecting this, that, and the third. I'm not even going to provide that to you. Let's just, let's just call it quits. Let's make an amicable, amicable leave and let's just do it at that. They're like, okay. And that was that. So now I'm out with no job. I'm raising money and I'm building this course. And um, like I said, I fell flat on my face. <laughs> hmm. um, I had no experience raising money. So I ended up raising exactly $0 <laughs> and zero cents. Um, I had no experience in building a course. It was my very, very first, first like major entrepreneurial endeavor. And I made $0 and zero cents. Hmm. Um, so I was in a place now to where I had quit the one income stream that was actually like making me, like my, my, my rentals weren't producing enough profit to sustain me yet. Like it they were, I mean, I had just started, I had like five units and I was just like, okay, Dre, you gave yourself a two year goal. It's 18 months. What are you going to do? Are you going to go back to the workforce for the next six months and give yourself that two-year time horizon because you haven't saved enough. You don't know that this is going to work in the next six months. You need a longer um, runway. Are you going to go back and do that? Or are you just going to buckle down and figure this out? And buckling down and figure this out, man, I couldn't, I, I mean, I had no income stream. Yeah. And I couldn't, I, I mean, I, I was in this position to where it was like, okay, if I buckle down and figure this out, I had to tell myself what that meant. That meant Airbnbs because I was in Dallas. And at this time, I hadn't closed on my next deal yet. Like I was in the process of closing on my next deal. So I hadn't closed on my next deal yet. And this was, a, this was the property that I was going to be living in. I had just went through a major breakup this same month with my girlfriend. And I was staying with her at the time, something that I vowed myself I would never do. And I ended up doing that. I was staying with her at the time. So now I'm in Dallas. I have nowhere to live. I have no income. And my businesses are, lit, they're, they're done. They, they, I mean, zero, right? And I'm just like, this is a pivotal moment. This is your defining moment. This is, this is what, this is your story. What are you going to make of it? At that time, I went back to the well. I went back to what I did the first time that I was at a, at a crossroads. I went to go find a mentor. I went to go find some help. I said, hey, this is my situation. I don't know what's going on. Can you help me? And sure enough, the help and the guidance that I, that I went to go find was exactly what I needed. You know, I was able to first find help in the, in the, in the online business world and just kind of figure out my funnel, figure out all the things that I were doing that I was doing. I mean, I'm wearing a click funnel shirt right now, and this is kind of my first school of thought. And I totally don't even resonate with a lot of the teachings that, that click funnels has like today because of what I've learned. And it, it, it's crazy the growth that I've experienced, but I like, this was my initial launching board, but I went to go get coaching. I went to go get, I went to go get mentoring. I went to go join mastermind. I went to go find groups in which I had to pay five and 10 and 15 grand to just to be amongst individuals who were on the, 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 this, this, this mindset that I needed this way, this energy, this adrenaline. And it wasn't until then to where I put myself in position towards, it was just like, Oh, I could have had success all this time. You know, I had people helping me build my business. Like literally like, 
I thought I had a business, but I didn't really have a business. And I literally had people help like, come in and help me like, this is, this is what you do here. This is how you build this step. This is what you do here. You know? And I, I, I was a part of this one mastermind that gave me literally one, one email, a single email, one of the first mastermind meetings, gave me one email script. Copy, I mean, the copy didn't look phenomenal. It looked like regular copy, right? Gave me one email script. I sent it out to my, to my, uh, to my base and I didn't even send it out to everybody. I sent it out to a few, a few of my subscribers and that email literally produced for me 15K in like the next week and a half. Wow. Hmm. And, th- and this wasn't until February of the next year. So I had went for five months, six months with no income. Hmm. And when I joined this mastermind group, when I joined, when I, when I got coaching from the right people, my business literally took off overnight. My real estate investing, I started learning how to invest in Airbnb units. So that started providing me with more active income. And then I learned that there are a lot of people who are in my position. There are a lot of people who will be in my position because I cater to first time investors, people who've never bought a single property. They're figuring out how to get started. Right. But along those lines, I also realized that those people could buy their first investment property pretty simple, pretty easy, kind of how I explained it to you. But that second and third one is going to be kind of tricky, especially if they've used up all their money. So I started realizing that I, not because of my own personal desires, but because I wanted to help other people. I wanted to help my audience. I was just like, well, I've helped them get started, but I need to, I need to kind of facilitate a process for them to actually build a real system that's a business. So I needed to go back and build that system for myself so that I can teach that to my audience. And it wasn't until I started implementing some of those strategies to where I was just like, okay, my confidence, you know, even, even going back to results from, from my clients, I had a streamlined system that would help my clients get their first investment property within weeks. It was down packed. It was ironclad. And it was, it was so effective until it wasn't. And I found that there were certain individuals that they weren't, for some reason or another, they didn't have the right motivation. They thought it was too hard or, or, or they didn't have the financing. So I, I, I kind of started blaming myself. You know, I was just like, man, like my biggest, my biggest attribute is also my biggest, like my, my Achilles heel because I care so much and I want to help people get the results to, to, to the, like this extent to where every single client that comes across my, my like that wants to work with me, like I am 100% invested in their future and their result. So when I would even just have one person not get a result, like it would kill me, Josh. It would kill me. It would kill my confidence. It would kill my soul. And I was just like, man, like, I, I know the statistics, you know, 90% of people that go through courses that go through these things, they never take action, they never do anything. But as much as I know, like what the numbers say, when it actually happens to me and I see people that are going through my stuff and then yeah. stuff, like, I'm just like, you paid me, you paid me this money to do nothing. Yeah. And I can't motivate you to do stuff. So I took that personally. And I went to go revamp my teaching style. And let's go re- like, I went to do, go do a whole bunch of training to personal improve. Because again, you think about anything that's going on in your business. And if, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you're of the mindset that, oh, well, it's this employee's fault. Last year, I had employees. This year, I don't have employees. Um, change, changing my total focus. Anyways, if you say, oh, it's this employee's fault or it's this person's fault or, or you know, this is the reason why this is not working, you've relinquished the power to do anything about that situation because you put the blame in somebody else's court. But if it is their fault, but you're, you're taking responsibility for it as the business owner, or as the entrepreneur, no matter what it is they've done, you have the ability to fix that problem. You know, no matter, and it could be, hey, they, they, they mistyped something. Well, who hired that person? Or they mistyped something. Who didn't proofread? I mean, there's so many things you should take away from that. But if you always come back to the fact that no matter what happens in my business, 
my business is a direct result of the decisions that I've made, then you have full control over that. So I was in a position to where in my business, like as much as like I was helping so many people get to their goal, there were people that were falling through the cracks. And I personally, that personally affected me on an emotional level. And this is my second dip. And this happened really recently. This happened in August of last year. And because of my emotional state, I stopped focusing on my clientele and getting them results. And I, I started focusing on self-improvement because I know that was the only thing that was going to get me out of this rut. It wasn't any new, new business strategy. It wasn't any, any new, 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 new anything. It was literally me and being one with myself and figuring out how, like how I was supposed to, how I was supposed to um, be a reflection of my business, you know, how I was supposed to do this. So um, just long story short, where I've gotten to today is I've changed. Last year, I built, I built what I like to consider a business. You know, I had employees, I had processes, I had coaches like coming in and I was just like, man, like this is what I want to build. Um, I started getting away. I started seeing that some clients weren't doing good. I started getting away from that personal connection. Um, some clients expected to be able to contact me more. And there were a lot of things that weren't sitting right with me as I started building this big business um, that I realized that going into this year, that a lot of things needed to change. So I changed from building a big business, going back to what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, was to now start building a personal brand, you know, really getting personal with every single person that comes across my content, helping build that relationship. Because if I have a client and we're friends, we've built a relationship and they're going down their journey and three or four months down the line and they're, they're having problems, they'll, they'll come to me as a friend. They'll come to me and be like, hey, this is what's going on. They'll come to me and be like, how can you help? You know, that we'll have that relationship. But if it's a transaction, it, there's no connection there. And I don't really think that I was going to be able to build a, a real business the way I wanted to build it based off of transactions. So this year, it's more about personal branding. It's more about relationships. It's more about, it's more about helping other people get to their goal as effective as possible, as quickly as possible, but with that personal touch. Yeah, I love all that. And I love the story that you have. It's incredible. I think that people need to go to your podcast to hear more about you and what your mission is for this. Um, and I, I love the whole focus orientation too, is that you want to make sure that you're focused on whatever it is that you're doing. And one thing that you said that when you were shifting into the personal brand from your previous business is that, you know, you, you realize that you needed to self-improve yourself. And we've had this quote said on the podcast a couple of times where if you can't grow yourself personally, then you're not going to grow professionally. And that is so true. There's a lot of essence in that. And I think that's exactly what you did. So um, awesome stuff. I appreciate everything that you have shared so far. A lot of value bonds. It's been great. So um, we're going to have to wrap this up though. We got a, two more questions that we asked. So we asked every single interview that we get on the show here. Um, you did the same thing on your show where you asked the same six questions, I believe it was. And um, so we have two of those. So what we're nice. going to do is uh, the first one is good success. So for us, good success means a lot. And you even heard the message a couple times when you had me on the show of what we're all about. When you hear that term, good success, what comes to mind? What does good success mean to you? Hmm. Good success. That is interesting. So last year in 2018, I started researching this exact definition. The, what, what is, what is success? Everybody has their own definition of success. I mentioned earlier that my definition of success may be totally different than your definition. And I was in a corporate environment where my definition of success was so different than so many other people. Yeah. And I was just like, well, I mean, what, what is true success? How do you know if you're successful? Because most people will look at somebody like Jay-Z, he's successful. You know, most people look at, you know, a lot of these, you know, investment moguls, like they're successful. 
right? But I was just like, everybody can be successful in their own personal way. But how do I how do I describe that in words? So so going back to your question, what is good success? The best definition that I found for success to date is probably by Napoleon Hill. And his definition for success is the constant, the constant progression of a worthwhile endeavor. Hmm. Yeah. Now I paraphrase, but it's, but he said the constant progression of a worthwhile endeavor. So whatever it is that you're doing. So if you're at work and you're not satisfied with your nine to five and you're a partner or you're a vice president or you're a CEO, you're not satisfied and you're progressing through the ranks and you're, you're killing it. If this is not something that's making you happy, if you're not satisfied, if it's not something that's fulfilling a worthwhile endeavor, then you're not successful. It doesn't matter how many millions of people out there think that you're the CEO of whatever this company is and you're, you're not successful, right? But if you're an employee out there who's never bought real estate, who has no idea where to get started, who's trying to figure out how to get their footing in this game, and you've just listened to this podcast, or you've just picked up your first real estate investing book, and you're making an effort towards something that you deem as a worthwhile success, by definition, you are successful as long as you, you keep making steps towards down, down that path. By definition, you are successful every single day because you're making a stride towards what you deem to be a, 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 a fulfilling life, a fulfilling dream, a fulfillment. So that's what I that's what I classify as success is that constant that constant notion towards what it is that you deem as that as that right fit, as that right success for you. That's good success. I love that. That is awesome. And I, I love the the word fulfillment that you use there. That is that is key. That is exactly what um, we're looking for here in this in the message of good success. So that's awesome that you had that. And one thing that I wanted to point out too is on your website, you know, in the bio that you have, I believe it's on your front page, if I'm not mistaken, but you talk about you, you use like vehicle, uh, uh, the word vehicle for real estate, right? So real estate is your vehicle to get to your fulfillment or the word that I'm going to say here is joy. So instead of, I wrote down, instead of using the phrase, what you want to do, you used doing things that bring you the most joy um, with freeing up your time. And I think that's incredible. I think joy and fulfillment go hand in hand with each other. So that is absolutely awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so we got one more thing that we got to wrap this up with. So you got to leave the audience with one thing. So it's a, it's a one minute segment here, whether it's a quote, a thought, piece of advice, a book that you've read that you want to share, whatever it is, doesn't matter what it is. One thing you got to leave the audience with, what would that be? So, man, you're asking the hard questions. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so when I when I think about one thing, just just one thing to kind of leave the audience with, I, I want to say this when it comes to just what, talking about what we're talking about, reaching our goals, getting started in real estate, all this good stuff, right? The single most thing that has helped me personally through this journey is something that I just probably started really honing in on. But the single most thing that has helped me through this journey is First off, knowing your goals, knowing your why. And I know that it's cliche, but, but, but stick with me because just, just having that clarity, Josh, having, having that clarity of what exactly it is that you want, when it is that you want it, being as specific as possible, knowing that goal, and then taking that goal, let's just put it here on a pedestal, right? Let's now reverse engineer from that goal and figure out the steps to get to that goal. So let's just say this is a three-year goal. If I want to be X, Y, and Z in three years, right? 
over the next three years, there are certain series of tasks that I need to perform, certain milestones I need to hit. And it's going to be daunting, especially for three-year goals, even one-year goals. It's very daunting to think that, well, it's January of 2019 as we're recording this. I have a goal to hit by the end of the year. If I know that I have a whole year to hit this goal, Parkinson's law is going to make me procrastinate. You're going to wait. <laughs> you're going to do the, you're going to do this, you're going to flatline and then hockey stick at the end of the That's year. It. Yep. Exactly, right? And I I think about that and I'm just like, man, like most people say that you overestimate what you can do in a year, you underestimate what you can do in 5 years, but yeah. W- what I've realized is that if you can compartmentalize your 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 goals, right? If you can if you can break down that 3-year goal into well, what what needs to be done by the end of year 1? So that I can meet my three-year goal, you know. So your three-year goal, maybe let's say it's a monetary value. I need to make ninety thousand in three, like over the next three years. Well, in year one, I need to make thirty thousand. How do I make? How do I make thirty thousand dollars in year one? What do I need to do in year one to make thirty thousand dollars? And then you break that down. Well, okay, what do I need to do this month? You think about that in terms of real estate and you think about lead indicators. Well, what lead indicators are going to propel me to make $30,000? Well, that means I need to make a certain amount of offers, Hmm. right? So if I make this amount of offers, that's what I'm doing this month. If I make 30 offers this month, I know that every 30 offers I make, I'm going to close on one deal. Hmm. When you start breaking it down, like in that micro sense, you're going to be so shocked at how it is you achieve your goals, how it is you get to your goal. You'll be at your goal before you know it. Yeah. So one thing I've done, is rather than having these yearly goals to help me keep to keep me accountable for my long term, my big pie in the sky goals, I now have twelve week goals. I have a twelve week year. There's a book called the Twelve Week Year. I just yeah. recently read it. It's a good book, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I now have twelve week goals because I I I I I shrink down my year into twelve weeks because you can see out for twelve. You can plan out for twelve weeks. You can right. literally plan by the day for. You can't plan by the day for a year, Mm-mm. but you can plan by the day for twelve weeks. And if you have the 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 Going back to Parkinson's law, if you guys know what Parkinson's law is, um, look it up because this is a short segment. But it, it, <laughs> it, going back to Parkinson's law, if, if, you, if you have a 12-week goal, you're gonna, you're gonna, it's going to be so much easier to achieve that goal than if it was a one-year goal. Mm-hmm. So my biggest takeaway, my biggest piece of advice is one, write down your goals every single day. This is coming from somebody who's only done this one time, who's just started doing this, who is 17 days in. I'm doing this. And I've seen massive results. 17 days in, guys. Like, this is January 17th as we're recording this. I don't know when this episode is going to be released. But 17 days in, I've seen massive results by just writing down my goals every single day. Right? So that's one. Write down your goals every single day. And two, I know you're going to be a big proponent of this because on my episode, on your episode on my podcast, we literally talked about this episode, which, which was a mastermind. But one, write down your goals every single day. And two, tell one or two people your goals every single week. If you do those two things in 2019, I guarantee you prosperity and success. That's awesome. Absolutely on board with that. So that's great stuff. Well, we appreciate you being on, man. It's been a great show, uh, DeRay. If somebody wanted to get in contact with you, maybe learn more about you. Um, obviously, what we mentioned the podcast multiple times. So before the Millions podcast, it's on all the podcast platforms. Just go search for it. But somebody wanted to get in contact with you, maybe a website, email address, or whatever it is, what is the best way to make that happen? Yeah, we talked about earlier this year. I'm no longer referring people to a website or my email. Hey, if you want to contact with me, let's let's literally connect. Um, let's follow each other on social media. Find me on Facebook. Find me on Instagram. That is my platform of choice. My Instagram handle is my name, my first and last name, Daray Olaleya, D-A-R-A-Y, and I should pop up. 
um, just because my last name is a bit tricky for a lot of people. Sure. If it makes it easier for you, just head over to my website or type in beforethemillions.com forward slash Instagram, and it'll take you straight to my Instagram. And that's how we could connect. Let them let, let me know that you've heard on me, uh, you've heard of me on the Good Success Podcast, and um, let's connect. Let's figure out you know what what your goals are. Let's figure out how I can help. Um, let's figure out if um, if we can we can have some type of a relationship that builds and grows, like me and Josh's relationship is about to build and grow. Uh, I'd love that. It's all about relationships here. It's not about how much you know. It's about who you know. So let's connect. Love it. Awesome stuff. So make sure you guys do that one more time before the millions.com is where you can learn more about him and the podcast. And then also make sure you connect with him on social media. Um, I've already done it. So it's been great. But um, DeRay, man, we appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you for having me on your show as well. And I look forward to having you back soon. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for the, the things that you're doing in this community, Josh. This is simply amazing. Again, I told you on my episode, that on my podcast, that there are a lot of investors out there, but there are very few investors who do this give back portion, who like to point at other people who are teaching what it is that they're learning. And you're one of those people and I'm one of those people. So I'm glad that we were able to connect and I'm glad that we we're able to add value to your audience. So thank you so much.